T-minus 15 seconds. Today we get to speak with Susie from BC Hydro, which is exciting because we get to hear about the perspective of a public utility as we're all making a journey together towards net zero targets. So I hope you enjoy the insights. It's a high level overview from a perspective we don't often get to see. Do you mind if we jump right in? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so welcome today. Uh, we have Susie Reeder here, who's a spokesperson from BC Hydro, and she's going to be talking to us today about some of the interesting roles that a provincial hydroelectricity utility plays in our journey to net zero. So, Susie, how would you like to introduce yourself to the world? I think you hit the nail on the head. I'm Susie Reeder, a BC Hydro spokesperson, and happy to be with you today. So, Susie, I mean, can you just in a very general sense speak to the role of a public utility? Uh, you know, you're, you're BC Hydro's BC's provincial electrical utility provider, but how do you see yourselves or how does BC Hydro see itself in the realm of net zero? Yeah, so we have a huge opportunity in BC right now to reduce carbon emissions for a cleaner future. And so as we make that move towards a lower carbon future, we know that our clean hydroelectricity is going to play a huge role in the province. And so that's why we've released our electrification plan, uh, which involves moving away from powering, heating and transportation with fossil fuels to clean hydroelectricity. And so our plan does go hand in hand with the province's Clean BC Climate Plan. And the electrification plan includes initiatives to uh, encourage and incentivize residents and businesses to switch from fossil fuels to, to clean electricity and uh, also adding new clean load for BC Hydro and our goal is to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by 930,000 tons per year by the end of fiscal 2026. So just to put that in perspective, that's the equivalent of taking about 200,000 cars off the road. So we're leading the way with this electrification plan uh, for a brighter future essentially. It covered a lot of territory there and what it, what it just says is that there, BC Hydro has a comprehensive plan. That's what I'm hearing. Uh, yeah. as some, and, and, you know, as this reminds me, I'm, I'm, I'm proud to be a BC resident because I do feel like BC Hydro is taking a very active, engaged role in making this carbon transition. Uh, we're fortunate to be in BC where we have a bunch of clean energy. You know, we use uh, hydroelectricity as this thing from burning coal and fossil fuels. So we have a leg up there. But uh, would you mind expanding more on like what what does it mean to make some of those carbon transitions uh, you quoted some statistics there that i didn't i didn't quite catch but i mean you want to reduce essentially thousands of cars off the road transition a chunk of the infrastructure away from carbon emissions to electrification can you go into any more of the nuance of that for um how that's going to take place sure so the major things that um, we're focusing on are um, encouraging existing customers to make the switch from fossil fuels to clean electricity in three key areas. So that's buildings, transportation, and industry. So we see the biggest opportunities for electrification in the short term coming from fuel switching for heating and transportation. Yes. So what we're doing is working hard to help people and businesses switch to clean hydroelectricity. But we know load changes and increased demand due to electrification won't happen overnight. So that's why we use our load forecasting, which we conduct regularly, that will show us any significant changes that we need to plan for. So in terms of residential and commercial buildings, um, 
in BC, they represent almost 11% of the province's total emissions, and that's mostly due to heating. So we're encouraging a shift towards renewable energy uh, by introducing our new heat pump rebates and working with different levels of government and standard-making bodies to increase energy efficiency standards and standards that advance electrification for builders and developers. And then when we look at transportation, that's also a huge opportunity for us. So cars, trucks, and other transportation account for about 40% of BC's greenhouse gas emissions. So one way we plan to encourage clean transportation is by expanding our fast charging network. So our goal is to have 325 charging stations at 145 sites across the province by 2025 as well as introducing new programs to support commercial fleets, including large trucks and buses, to switch from these gasoline and diesel to uh, using electricity. I, you know, I actually think it's profound the amount of grants and incentives that uh, you know, Clean BC and BC Hydro, you know, that the heat pump incentive, the rebates that are available, because I think that making these transitions is the right choice, period. But the fact that you're getting, like you're giving us as, as citizens money back for that, I'm, I'm I'm happy. I think that's uh, that's definitely going to catalyze the shift. Um, there's some real savings to be had, especially in the world of heat pumps. Now, I'm sitting there taking that in because there's this is a multi multifaceted approach. I mean, 11% of emissions are coming out of homes or you know residential and commercial buildings, and then 40% from transportation. And which is an interesting to hold those two together, because when I started into net zero. It was all around housing and, and green housing and that sort of, but the electrification of vehicles and often people's vehicle comes home with them when they're going to need to plug it into their house. It started to see how these really dovetail together. And are you seeing that on BC Hydro side as the electric, as people embrace more of a, uh, I'm going to say a, a carbon consciousness in their home, they're also moving into other areas of their life, like for buying a hybrid vehicle or something like that. Is that, is your analysis seeing that take place? Yeah, absolutely. So we actually just released a report uh, about the incredible demand right now for electric vehicles. And the report found that uh, even though we had the highest adoption rate in North America last year here in BC for electric vehicles, it could have been even higher, but there just weren't enough models available uh, for purchase. So we did some independent market research and it looks like that's going to get better by the end of the year with vast improvements by 2025. But yeah, one option is doing a plug-in hybrid or doing a hybrid. Um, and that's a great option for, for people who aren't quite ready to make the shift to an EV or who can't find an EV for, for purchase right now. So the supply chains are getting better though, uh, but we are definitely seeing huge demand for EVs, especially with the gas prices being what they are right now. <laughs> yes. I'm looking at that's going to be a driving <laughs> factor. Even It's going to accelerate the change for sure. <laughs> okay. So when I, um, when, when I hear things like we're moving, like there's such a, we're the largest adopter of electricity. I'm the word on the street. When I have conversations with people, they're like, Oh my goodness, the utility grid won't be able to keep up with the demand of electrification. There's people almost complaining about that on blogs. And I'm, I'm not convinced BC Hydro, you obviously know what you're talking about, the demand and the need um, consumers are going to have. What are you forecasting and how's the utility grid going to handle the adjustments? Yeah, so we've been carefully planning for an influx of EVs for many, many years. So our 20-year integrated resource plan maps out different load scenarios and resources that will be used to meet the load. 
And we regularly monitor the health of local distribution systems as well, and we upgrade them to meet new neighborhood demand. And data from smart meters is really important because it's used to identify load in specific areas. So if we see the load in a certain neighborhood's going up because more people are adding level two EV chargers, that kind of thing, we can just go in and target those specific areas and, and do upgrades to some of our distribution equipment. So what we're expecting is about 635,000 electric vehicles on the road in BC by 2030. So that's going to add about 1,800 gigawatt hours of electricity demand per year. Um, so again, this is something we've been planning for at BC Hydro and we will be able to supply. In fact, we have a surplus of electricity right now. And we also know that the majority of EV charging takes place overnight at home, which is when power load from things like cooking and heating and lighting and all that kind of stuff is the lowest. And as mentioned, we do regularly monitor these local distribution systems and upgrade them where we see that the need is there. And so we can tell if specific neighborhoods need transformer upgrades. And that's because of smart meters. So, so it's great. So we're very well prepared. And we also have our integrated resource plan that looks at different load scenarios. So from the quickest we'll get to electrification to the longest it'll take to get there. We have plans in place for, for both scenarios. Cool. That, that's, that's neat to hear how comprehensive it is. And like how you granularity per neighborhood. Uh, is yeah. There, yeah, that, that, that's good insight. Um, are, is there any, any neighborhoods that actually surprised you guys? Like, you know, Hey, we didn't think that Prince George would be like surging in electric vehicles or is there, is it, did you find anything interesting when you're doing that analysis? Um, I don't have exact data uh, on neighborhoods in front of me, but we do consider um, high and low load ranges and scenarios in our integrated resource plan. And it outlines different resources we'll need to meet electricity demand in this province. Um, and again, that's including if demand develops more quickly or slower than anticipated. So our integrated resource plan is, is on our website. And um, yeah, feel free to check it out. Okay, per and that's good to know. So people can actually access yeah. that and, and see what it looks like. Yeah. Now, it's, when people come back to their their house, uh, their, their house, and consider you know electrification, I I see lots of um, demand for solar panels. I'm up here in the Okanagan, so uh, there's lots of installations going on, and I see homeowners are doing that to offset um, offset some of their electric utility. And you pointed out, you know, when cars are charging during the night. Yeah, solar panels aren't exactly active at that time. But anyways, the solar panels are in place to offset the electrical um, utility expenses for homeowners. How does community solar generation, how does that actually integrate back into the grid? Because I, I hear that term, oh, we just send it back onto the grid. But that's that's a very easy way of saying something is probably more complicated than than that. So what does that look like? What we do is we have a net metering program, and this provides our customers with the opportunity to use a small generating unit fueled by a renewable resource like wind or solar, but most of them are solar. Most of our um, net metering customers are solar um, to offset some of their usage. So there are almost 4,000 customers participating in this program across BC. And when a net metering customer generates an excess of electricity at an excess of their own needs, they'll receive a bill credit towards future electricity use. And if the customer still has an excess credit on their anniversary date, so that's the date that they join the net metering program, then we pay them the market price for any credits for, uh, for the previous calendar year. So 
So yeah, our net metering program has um, always uh, been to provide our customers with the opportunity to uh, to offset their usage. And you said there's about 4,000 registered clients with that right now? Yeah, about almost 4,000. Well, that's, so that's great. I mean, there's lots of room to grow then in terms of the community as obviously more solar, um, rooftop solar comes onto play. There's, um, which is just, it's really neat that we can actually do that and that we're getting market rate credits back from that. I think that's yeah, a, know, a bit of a fair. It's a great now. program and it's always, it's always growing. Now, when it's, I'm thinking about climate change and how things have shifted, you know, when we get back the energy modeling for homes, it's, Canada is typically seen as a as a heating dominated climate, which means that most of the utility expense for a home goes towards the furnace. Uh, whereas in Arizona, it would be a cooling dominated climate because it goes to air conditioning. Have you seen any shifts in the way you know climate is obviously evolving? We had a heat dome last summer. Are you noticing the spike loads in the summer? And is there what are your projections on trending towards cooling dominated? climate in BC or are we still going to be well into the heating dominated climate? I'm asking because you guys are doing projections way into the future beyond what we would see. Yeah. And we're actually planning a report on this for, for the summer. So we have seen an increase in AC use over the past five to 10 years, especially in portable AC units uh, because a lot of condos use them in, uh, in metropolitan areas. And we have seen demand increase um, every summer. Last summer, we actually broke records for summer demand, uh, mostly due to, due to air conditioning use. So, so you're right. We used to be, um, unlike utilities and like in Ontario, Quebec, where they see peak summer demand, we usually see our peak demand in the winter. But now it's kind of, it's growing. Like demand is growing in the summer. And we did break records last year. And we do uh, expect that to continue. That's sort of what we're expecting more and more people installing air conditioning. But a great thing that you can do to lower your carbon emissions and to also save on your electricity bill is to install a heat pump. And on average, they cost about six to $10,000, but we do have rebates. Uh, BC Hydro has a $3,000 top-up rebate. And on top of that, if you include government rebates and local municipality rebates, you can get uh, up to $11,000 in rebates for installing a heat pump. And, and they're great. Like they cool in the, in the summer and they heat in the winter. They're absolutely, because of our clean electricity, such, such an advantage to have. Well, and I, I tell this to clients when they, when they, cause I get asked about, you know, Hey, should I upgrade my furnace or, and I'm like, consider installing a heat pump because your furnace gets you a fractional return on your energy investment. If, if it's 96% efficient, you get, 0.96 return on every watt of energy or, that you put in. So it bores a heat pump. You put in one, you get two out or it's a, it's a multiplication. Is it 1.75 or 2.38? It's like it's one multiplies rather than one turns into a fraction. So you, you really compound your energy efficiency uh, when you go to a heat pump, which I think is a profound investment. And I didn't know there was that many grants available, which is even better. Yeah, there, there's a lot available. And if you want to have a heat pump installed, a licensed heating and cooling contractor is, is the way to go. And if you go to bchydro.com, um, we have a list of program registered contractors that can help you with installation. Yeah, I, and I appreciate those resources because, you know, people are going to hear this and then go, okay, so where do I go to access that? And it sounds like BC Hydro has actually curated a list of uh of contractors. So if you want to get solar panels, I imagine there's a list for solar panels and then there's heating and cooling contractors. Uh, is there anything else on the website that would be helpful? 
Yeah, so if you are looking for an electric vehicle in BC, we have a search tool where you can search um, the entire province by vehicle type, range, almost everything on bchydro.com slash EV. And that's a great tool because right now it is very difficult to find an EV for purchase. And it's, it's great to have those filters. And it also searches for plug-in hybrids as well. So yeah, I would definitely check that out if you're looking for an EV. I, I, you know, I, I, I'm a fan of automobiles. I had no idea. I would never have thought to check BC Hydro's website when I was looking for a vehicle. Just that's fun. That's, that's <laughs> new one for me. It's a great place to start. Yeah. yeah. So, and this is, this is great. You know, so Susie, we're talking, uh, I'm talking very positively. I'm a big fan of the role utility plays. I have lots of optimism. You're going to, you're like the audience will definitely hear that, um, you know, I'm in favor of the work that you guys are doing and the grants. I feel like there's a lot of effort going into making it easy for us as citizens in this province to get on board with electrification as a cleaner alternative to fuel. Um, I know that there's incentives for building a home without natural gas hookups, um, which I think some people will fundamentally resist because they're just so used to having their natural gas stove, uh, you know, as, but I, I think that there's, um, there's lots of cool things happening. I'm, I'm wondering from your perspective, is there anything that people can do that I want to know, what can people do that'll make it easier for you and us as a community to move towards electrification? Cause we all have individual agency. And then what are some things that if people do make it more difficult for, for the transition to occur? Cause I imagine you see the best and the worst of the, the trends. Yeah. So I guess at a personal level, upfront costs of making the switch can be a barrier. So switching your heating system, going from natural gas to a heat pump or taking your gas vehicle electric can be a challenge um, for a lot of people. Uh, so that's why we offer these rebates and incentives. So if you're switching, there are rebates for switching from, from a gas furnace to, to a heat pump. There's a bunch of rebates from, from us and from the government for uh, switching to an EV. And I guess my advice is to start by making small changes that make sense for your lifestyle and budget. Uh, you don't necessarily need to go out and buy an EV tomorrow or get a heat pump to make a difference. Just start by educating yourself about sort of the impact of your everyday choices and climate change and the environment. That can be a great first step. Now, I'm going to ask a random question here, and I, I want to put you on the spot. It's like it occurred to me because uh, this is a situation that, that I encountered when I'm considering buying vehicles for staff. I was thinking about buying an electric fleet of vehicles. I actually had a, a couple of Tesla Cybertrucks on order before they were canceled. And one of my employees, he rents a basement suite, and we're like, oh, no. You know, this, this poses a problem. If I'm going to buy electric vehicles for my staff, and they can't charge them at home because they don't own the house. They don't own the connection if you want to do a level two charger. How are people going to overcome that if they're not the homeowners that can make the call to get the heat pump and get the rebates? How? Because there's definitely, there's got to be a workaround. What, what advice would you offer somebody that's renting a place but wants to shift to the EV way of doing things? Yeah, absolutely. And we do have rebates for installing chargers in multi-use residential buildings, uh, as well as 
you know, single family homes and, and townhomes as well. And we do understand that um, the steps are definitely different if you're installing in a condo or townhome because you're first going to need the permission of your strata or building owner as well. And so that's the first step is getting that permission uh, from your strata or building owner. But we also have an incredible uh, network of public EV chargers as well in uh, in British Columbia, over 2,000 public chargers. And BC Hydro is working on getting uh, over 300 uh, by 2025. And those are the fast chargers. So those are a great resource if um, charging at home isn't a possibility. And yeah, if you go to bchydro.com slash EV, you can find out more about the steps you have to take uh, to install in a multi-use residential building and the sort of permissions you need and, and what to do about that. But we do have rebates for, for those folks as well, of course. Well, you know what? That, that's actually really encouraging because I'd honestly assume that if you're renting, your hands are tied to what the owner of the property decides to do. And uh, it's encouraging that there's actually some options that way so yeah, admittedly Susie this is this has been an action-packed 20 minutes I uh we've covered a lot of territory yeah we have yeah is and, and before we part you know I want to give you the opportunity is there anything that you would just share as, as valuable guidance from your perspective considering about people that want to make smart shifts towards a, a greener future I would just say uh, there's lots of resources available at bchydro.com and take a look at our electrification plan. It's bchydro.com slash electrification plan. Lots of resources and lots of information on how we're going to make BC a brighter, greener place. Perfect. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. Yeah.